Welcome back to Land Before Prime, the home of nostalgic time travel. I'm Rob, and I'm on Twitter, retro underscore throwback, and you can also find me with my autograph company, Zombie Bike Promotions, on Facebook. Um, I was born in 1988, so I think I grew up quite in the best of the 90s films, the 90s era, the 90s, 90s kid, as we call it these days, don't we? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that talking about movies, you know, sci-fi, um, space in general, kind of, you know, are my favourite type of genres. What about you, Tom? Well, you've you've already used my name. Wonderful. Uh, you can find <laughs> me online as Weekend Lollygagger, either on Twitter at we Lollygagger or YouTube forward slash Weekend Lollygagger. Uh, and like you, Rob, I was born in the eighties, eighty four, but that's a grand total of twenty one years before the first appearance of Amazon Prime. And um, again, like you, space sci fi that is my favourite thing when it comes to entertainment and. Um, I will always hold on to that very, very dearly. Yeah, anyway, I'm glad that we are back recording together, Rob. How have you been? As We've been behaving. We've done exactly what lockdown uh, asked us to, which we haven't met. We haven't done any recording no. together. Um, so, yeah, how are you doing? Uh, not too bad. I mean, you know, it's it's funny how the last couple of weeks we're discussing bringing everything back. And then, yeah, behold. Another lockdown. <laughs> so yeah, basically another another lockdown, which means we're back to recording kind of this remotely. However, this new solution looks like it's going to work very nicely for yeah, us. Yeah, it's really good quality. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 pretty pleased about that. And for those of you that are interesting, we are using Zencaster.com for this, uh, and it just allows us to kind of host a proper voice meeting with no lag or anything like that. Um, have you seen any films? Have you been watching anything over the past lockdown? And uh, are you planning on watching anything over this lockdown, I guess? Do you know what? I've only... Well, for the new lockdown, is definitely going to be The Mandalorian. Um, I know you're not the hugest Star Wars fan, but it's just started up again. And so it's going to be that. But the problem is that's a weekly episode thing. So it's... Oh, you know, I like to binge. <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm really into something, I like that little binge. Um, so um, last couple of weeks... Not so much. I mean, even the cinemas with them locking down, there was nothing new really for me um, that has been coming out. So I, I don't know. I it's been a while since I've had a good like Netflix or DVD just binge. Like I think the last one I did was Dexter, and I've done that about three times. So I need to find something new that's like eight oh, series see, I, long. I've not watched Dexter yet, and it's it's on our list. So uh, me and amazing. my missus are currently uh, watching. Criminal Minds, and oh, we're yeah. going through all of the seasons on that on uh, Amazon Prime. And then once that's done, we've decided we are going to watch Dexter. She's already watched it once, oh, that's um, so good. That's so good. but she it. wants to start watching it again because apparently they're doing another shorter season yeah. to give it a proper conclusion this time. Yeah, because the ending, obviously, you know, I started not going to spoil anything, but it was kind of oh, surely there's got to be something else. And I think this is why they're doing this little mini. But it, overall, I've never really said. Like, people love Breaking Bad. I like it, don't get me wrong, but they put it as the greatest. And to but to me, Dexter is. It was so... I had to watch every episode. Oh, it was... Yeah, it's amazing. Okay. I love it. 
Oh, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that then, because, um, again, as people will probably gather from listening to our older episodes, which, by the way, are all back online now, now we've got our new hosting provider all sorted, um, me and you ended up very, very similar in what we like and what we don't like. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's been very hard for us to actually find anything that one of us likes and one of us really doesn't. Um, and, I, again, I think, really, that probably only comes down to football, yet today's episode will, will prove an interesting one, even when it comes to that one. <laughs> Um, now, I guess what we should also be introducing at this point is we have changed the podcast massively. We aren't doing what we previously did. So, um, previously we would choose a film, we'd watch it, and then we'd give you a pretty standard review. But, uh, how many podcasts, Rob, would you say you've seen suddenly appear over lockdown? <laughs> Countless, just, yeah. And how many of them are basically film reviews? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's not anyone's fault. Obviously, podcasting is a great way to stay in contact with people. But uh, we wanted to be a little bit different. So we have a rather new toy with us. And um, I'll, I'll introduce you to that in a moment. But we are keeping the land before Prime name because we didn't realize that Prime appeared in 2005. Yeah. So that's... 21 years after I was born, uh, but that's 15 years from today that it's been in existence. And uh, for Prime Video was 1990, no, not 1990, ignore me, 2006. So only 14 years. I can't believe it's been around for that long. Long time. Um, now, again, I've done no research here, and, and why should I? I mean, come on, this is us we're talking about. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing Amazon Prime Video must have opened up as DVD rentals, do you think? Yeah, because I remember, um, wasn't Love Film was originally Netflix? Is that right? Love Film, the DVD in the post, then turned... Yes, I think they got bought by Netflix, didn't they? Yeah, so I don't know what Amazon Prime, like video-wise... Oh, well, maybe we can bring that to you in um, part two's introduction. We'll do a quick bit of research and we'll come back to you, because that's the other thing. Um, These episodes, you'll get one episode a month, a uh, proper episode, that is, but it will be split into two parts. And that's because Rob and I will both be choosing a film or TV show, a game, and a music option for each episode. And rather than all six of those being discussed in one episode, we'll split it in half, three in one episode, three in the other. Just to mean, to, to give you a little bit more content more than anything there. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's what we're planning um, so really, the next thing to introduce you to, and we've already introduced you slightly in my Bill and Ted episode, which uh, if you haven't listened to or seen Face the Music, uh, you may want to go and listen to now, and that will give you an idea whether or not you're going to enjoy it or not, but it is full of spoilers, uh, is the Nostalgic Emotion Rectifying Device, aka the Nerd. Um, so what happens here, this lovely computer in front of us will randomly select a year from Rob's year of birth, which was, remind us there, dude? 1988. And that will go all the way through to 2005 when Amazon Prime was created. And uh, what we'll then do is we'll go back in time and we'll look at the year that's chosen. And uh, that's where our choices will be born from. So, uh, nerd, off you go. Thank you. Selecting year. Now generating space-time portal, would you mind wiping your feet before entering me this time? Nerd, where did you take us this time? 
1996. Wow, 1996. Uh, it doesn't feel particularly different. The air is a bit cleaner, but uh, yeah, we are here. So I'm, I'm going to let you take these three choices first of all, Rob. So um, tell me, what film are we talking about today? <laughs> so there's so many choices for 96. Um, but I've had to, ju- it just jumped out. I had to go for Jingle All the Way. <laughs> Something <laughs> a little a- bit different. But that's brilliant because you know what? It's November. We're into lockdown too when we go back to 2020. And I've been thinking about Christmas probably for the majority of lockdown just because it always brings a smile to my face. And uh, for me, Jingle All The Way is one of those films I always put on every year. I will put it on the telly, even if it's just me watching it because the missus hates Arnold. I don't know why she does. She, she, She hates him. She really hates him. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, it, 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 it goes on every Christmas because it is such a good Christmas film and it's, 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 it, it's innocent. Well, I think it's one of the only Christmas films apart from Home Alone, um, where I probably do watch this, you know, not just at Christmas. I can watch this if I'm just sat in, you know, trying to put a film on ready to fall asleep or something. I just, I don't know. I've always, because of the, the nostalgic value for me of that toy i was only eight years old when it came out so i can imagine my parents going mad trying to find a toy and it's just everything about it. it's arnie you know it's, it's you can't go wrong with arnie yeah, exactly and um i mean kindergarten cop um <laughs> all, all those kind of kiddie films he appeared in that really were still more aimed for adults more than anything yeah. let's face it jingle all the way can be enjoyed by a kid but there is a lot of it that uh, relates more to adults more than anything. But yeah, you're absolutely right. That whole kind of idea of my kid wants this toy. I need to now go and find it. And Mm. always seeing those newspaper articles, these are the top toys of this year. You then know if your child has named something in that list, you're not going to find it. (laughs) And going back to that, I mean, so what Toy Story was 95, we say, 95, 96. Again, so Toy Story was released in the US November 1995. Here in the UK, we didn't get it until March 1996. Um, And that means the toys for 1996 Christmas, uh, and I would have guessed that would have been the VHS release as well, because that's uh, what? nine months before christmas the cinema release so we're still in that era where you're looking at nine to twelve months before anything comes out on vhs that kind of put toy story as that year's christmas presents wasn't it wow i just had a massive like flashback i remember getting renting toy story from the video shop i could just had when you said that just saying i just had this image and i just remember playing it over and over again um but i suppose that's good marketing in a way if you it usually is about nine months after cinema release, isn't it? Like VHS, DVD now. So the, the further we go back, the the longer it, it it seemed. I could have sworn I remember seeing Home Alone advertised uh, on TV for the cinema, and then it felt like it was well over a year before <laughs> there was even an, any announcement of it being on VHS, um, let alone rental, which obviously came first. So, yeah, there, there always seemed to be this giant delay, yet... A lot of the time now, while the film's in a, in the cinema back in 2020, we're getting the pre-order the same day it comes out in the cinema. Mm. So literally four months down the line and the DVD's coming through your door now. 
there doesn't seem to be anywhere near as long a wait between cinema and no. public release anymore. No, I know. And it's just, I think cinema was so important back then. Um, it was a, such a proper big day out where now it, it's kind of like more of something to do rather than when I was a kid, it was, it was an event to go cinema. You know, it wasn't just something that you just, Oh, let's go cinema. It, it was an occasion. It was. So I think, um, yeah, I think cinema, I don't know. I might have to research it a little bit, but how cinema viewing audiences were back then compared to now, like how pop- yeah, more popular. I, I, I'd be interesting because obviously we've got, the change of how much money is actually worth versus 1996 and 2020. So obviously cinema takings are going to be different. But yeah. were, were the crowds for the cinema as big? Now the cinema for me, or for as long as I can remember, has always been an expensive treat. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you look at view now, unless you're lucky and you've got one of the view cinemas that um, are struggling, which means their tickets are all always priced at six ninety nine. You want to go and see, let's say, the Avengers, you're going to be looking at fifteen quid a ticket. Mm. And I think, to be honest, for me, that's what's killed cinema trips now. Remembering going as a child, yeah, it was expensive, but it was still affordable. If you get what I mean, yeah. So your parents didn't mind paying for a ticket. You could get some sweets. You could, well, I still remember the day. So St Albans Odeon. Um, only had two or three screens and you had to go downstairs to get to them and between the two screens was a Pepsi machine so you, you didn't even have to buy your drinks from the foyer you could just buy a can of drink could you imagine that being done now in a cinema no, just having a drinks machine in the middle of the screen so you could just go and get your own drink from there instead they want you to go and spend lots more money in the foyer and um, yeah I guess for it being expensive yet affordable the old times of going back to the cinema so if we walked St Albans now with it being 96 was the cinema still open no so we we just missed the Odeon being open uh St Albans Odeon closed I think it was 94 and that was just as Jarman Park had already been open for a while and that was Empire Cinema Mm. and we had just seen View Cinema open in Garston so the small St Albans Odeon, which only had two screens, had no way of surviving. We had the Odeon at Hatfield, which had nine screens, I think it is. You had the View that had opened that had 10 screens. You had Jarman Park Empire, which had opened with about 10 screens. So they, they just shut up shop, which was a real shame because, again, it was, it was an Odeon cinema, but it was cheap. Yeah. It was low price, and it was only because they had that two or three screens, um, so they were really limited to what they could show. And um, yeah, the the introduction to these big multi-screen cinema plexes now, uh, cineplexes, killed it. Mm. But yeah, we're in '96, so we could go down there, and we could just about see all the old signs on it still. But if we ever get 1994, I, I'd say we'll have to take a little uh, take a little trip down there. <laughs> I'm just trying to think what the last film was I saw in there. I think it was Star Trek Generations, which was an absolutely awful film, or um, the 90s Three Musketeers, <laughs> which, again, was a, a pretty bad oh, film. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, back to Jingle All The Way. We, we seem to have got off track there. Um, so um, I was, yes, I was going to say, talking about the, the um, trying to get the Christmas toy, I'm not sure if you remember, because I remember, so I would have been eight years old, uh, with the Toy Story and everything like that, and Buzz Lightyear, that Christmas uh, figure, it was sold out everywhere. 
I remember it putting was. on TV programs, live and kicking, everything, children's, and it was all about, it was sold out in the country. Like, you know, this was before whole, you just go online, the, Amazon buy. This was like shops you had to search for this toy. Yeah. The whole country went mad for Toy Story. So I remember when it kind of came out and um, I remember seeing the advert. And again, it's one of those vivid memories that, that I'll never lose. And um, I went out and bought the single of the Boomtown Rats, The Boys Are Back in Town, because <laughs> that was the soundtrack they used for the advert for Toy Story. Oh, so they didn't use Thin Lizzy. They didn't even use it in the film. Um, <laughs> is it Thin... No, The Boys Back in Town was Boomtown Rats, wasn't it? Thin Lizzy, I think. Ooh. This could be a... You'll have to excuse the typing sounds. You know what? Yeah, it you're is. right. It was Thin Lizzy. <laughs> but I, but I... I only didn't say anything because I thought maybe, oh, maybe they covered it up. I, you see, I could have sworn it was the Boomtown Rats, but um, obviously not. They they didn't do a cover for Toy Story, maybe? I'm trying to think. Maybe I don't know, maybe. There must be a reason why you've thought that. You see, I know they did I Don't Like Mondays, which again yeah. is an amazing song, but uh, no, you know what? I must have been completely wrong on that. No, you're right, it would have been Thin Lizzy then, so obviously it wasn't as big ah, of, but a, big of a memory. That. I've just put it in, and it does say Boomtown Rats on YouTube. The boys are back in town, but maybe they just did a cover. Oh, maybe. Oh, who knows? But yeah, um, the boys are okay. back in town. Bob Geldof cover. Searching database. Tom, you are wrong. The trailer used "The Boys Are Back in Town" is performed by Thin Lizzy. Your memory is about equal to a mid '80s home computer. Playing trailer clip now. What idiot! Great idea, Woody. Walt Disney Pictures presents the first ever computer animated motion picture. We've got trouble. This holiday season, take off on an adventure. This cannot be happening to you. Beyond the imagination. Sheriff, this is no time to panic. This is a perfect time to panic. It's the story of two partners <laughs> discovering what they're made of. I'm okay. Catch that. I got it, Woody. Stop, Andy. To infinity and Toy Story. Look out! Buzz, will you get up here and give me a hand? <laughs> That's very funny, Buzz. This is serious! Oh. Uh, well, I, re- I remember buying the single of it anyway when I heard the advert, but the other vivid memory, and this one definitely is vivid, was it must have been a Indian summer. So for those of you that don't know what that is, that's the uh, when your autumn is pretty much as hot as summer. And it, it's basically a late summer. Um, and I remember being in Woolworths, which, by the way, is still open at this point. Um, and mum and me walking through it, going into the toy section and seeing all of these toys on the shelves... Um, but bizarrely, she bought a Buzz Lightyear for my cousin. She bought a Woody for, I think she bought two Woodies for my other two cousins. And I thought, oh, this is amazing. I'm going to get a Buzz Lightyear for Christmas as well. Came Christmas. I didn't get one. And I was a huge fan of the film. But she got those for my cousins instead. And I, I never knew why she did that. I'm guessing it's because she knew I wouldn't really play with it. But yeah, um, yeah you're, we we bought it before they flew off the shelf. 
But yeah, then that Christmas, again, it was, this is the toy you will never, ever be able to get hold of this Christmas. And it was the Buzz Lightyear. And it's because Disney did that amazing job, didn't they? Where their toys looked exactly as the film it even came in the same packaging really that the uh the film kind of displayed yeah. it in yeah and all the buttons on him and everything it was just uh, yeah i mean it was the most what it was most wanted toy and you know i remember i think i remember my mom saying what about woody and i was like uh. so it's it's not the same it wasn't really a toy buzz was a proper toy especially for you know boys kids uh it's just well exactly it's um I liked Woody, and he's probably a better character than Buzz Lightyear, but when it came to actually owning the toy, everybody yeah. wanted Buzz Lightyear, and it, it mirrors the film so so beautifully, <laughs> actually, um, because it, it's quite right, isn't it? It's, it's exactly what the film is. Mm. Andy wants a Buzz Lightyear and then forgets all about Woody. So Yeah, because Woody that, that... was just a, what was he, a drawstring toy, what do you call them? You pull the string yeah, on the um, back. So, yeah, Woody was you pulled the drawstring, uh, drawstring on his back and he spoke. And again, it was exactly the same as the film. Obviously, modern components, but, um, and these actually existed, of course. But, uh, yeah, yeah it, it was just, it was very, very cleverly marketed. And then, obviously, with the film being such a boom, it, it, it deserved to do well. Um, but again, we have completely abandoned. Jingle all the way at this point, which is uh, the film we're meant to be talking about. So um, when did you first see Jingle All the Way then? Did, was it a cinema trip for you or was it one of these ones that no, you later was, found on video and I think video this was a TV, discovered? you know, like ITV Christmas film a couple of years after. It definitely wasn't cinema. Um, or would it have been VHS? It could have been VHS rental. Because I remember watching it as a kid and having those feelings of the whole Buzz Lightyear again. Um yeah. But no, I've I've always liked it. I've always kind of, it's kind of like if my girlfriend wants to put like a rom com on. Sometimes guys don't like to admit, but Christmas films are just nice films. I know it's not like a manly oh, it's good, but I actually enjoy just a nice simple Christmas film. You know, and the thing with this is, which I've noticed with a lot of Christmas films, a lot of Christmas films tend to get on your emotions of feeling, you know, sad or emotionally mm. love your family and friends and like this is just nothing like not really too much about that um this was just arnie <laughs> getting into trouble because he didn't get the toy on time and just yeah, yeah typical and arnie it, yeah and it, it just as a, as a film it works perfectly in fact what we'll do let me uh put the trailer in for jingle all the way at this point um just so kind of yeah those of you that are, are listening if you've never heard seen it or heard it just join in this, this lovely feeling of a, a 90s Christmas film. Tom, you think you are capable of navigating the nostalgic database without me? Accessing now, trailer in 3, 2, 1. Every holiday season, there's one toy everyone has to have. I want the Turbo Man action figure with the arms and legs that move, and the Rock and Roar jetpack, and the Boomerang shooter. Getting it is every child's dream. Whoever doesn't can be a real loser. Finding it. You got the doll, right? Is this father's nightmare. I'll get that toy. I promise. Whoa! Nothing like waiting till the last minute, I would say. Especially on Christmas Eve. Turbo Man, you're mine! 
is your Christmas spirit. The last one just left. Now, it's two fathers. This is one. One mission. Oh, poor baby. <laughs> and every man for himself. I think maybe, you know, we could join up as a team. You know, like, like Starskin Hutch. We're well, late delivery of Turbo Man. That toy works. Let's go. Is there a problem, officer? <laughs> you can never do too much to make a child's Christmas magical. Hey, buddy. From the director of Mrs. Doubtfire. You want a Turbo Man for Christmas? Forget it. I'm not going to sit in your lap. Tony, show him. That was taken this morning. And from the director of the Flintstones. Don't open that up. No, no, no. Of course, there's uh, some assembly required. You know what you guys are? Nothing but a bunch of sleazy con men in red suits. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Sinbad. I work for the post office and I'm unstable. Tell him. This man is totally insane. Thank you. Christmas comes but once a year. Jingle all the way. You picked the wrong day. So that was the trailer for um, Jingle All the Way, and uh, that would be... I mean, we're in 1996 now, so to be honest, it would probably be appearing on TV adverts on things like CITV and Channel 4 mm. about now, persuading kids to go and see it. Um, how could we forget, though, that there, other than Arnie, who everybody loves, except for my partner, um, <laughs> that... Just nearly called him completely the wrong name there because we were talking about the Simpsons in the break there. Uh-huh. Uh, Sinbad. Yes. So Sinbad appeared in this and he's kind of the arch rival to Arnie, not because he knows him, but just because of trying to get hold of the toy. Now, we would. It's funny, isn't it? Because I think you'd probably agree. Whenever you hear people bring up Jingle All the Way and say, oh, don't forget, Sinbad was in this, there seems to be this kind of oh yeah, well, Sinbad's in this. Isn't that brilliant? And I'm just, off the top of my head, I couldn't think of anything else that he was in. Um, and I've just kind of dialed up IMDB. And of course he was a, he was Otto in Coneheads. Which we've reviewed and we completely missed the fact that that's Sinbad. Who's Otto? <laughs> He's the um, person that gives him, uh, Dan Aykroyd's character, a job. Yes, yes. A taxi driver, wasn't it? Taxi. No, 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 no. He's um, as in the electronics repair. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So that that, that was Sinbad. And then, of course, I didn't realise this. And it's not a film that I've actually watched all the way through. But again, it's got a massive match of um, cult and retro following is Good Burger. Is that Keenan and Kel, isn't it? That was Keenan and Kel in 1997. Yeah, see, again, I've never seen it, but I know Good Burger is that kind of era that them two as well Keenan Carr. Oh. So yeah, he kind of fits into that kind of 90s actor that mm. really has has kind of not disappeared because again if you look at his IMDb he's doing things like the cartoon series of the Lion Guard which is the Lion King spin-off. So he's obviously still still going, but um I never quite understood why so many people have such a fondness for him i guess and um yeah again this film he's very good in it he he, he absolutely smashes the role he's doing um because he's meant to be annoying and he annoyed me so it worked yes. like, <laughs> <laughs> precisely he um he really does get on your tits in this and then they'd give you they give you a little bit of the sob story towards the end but 
you have to do a little bit for Christmas, I guess. Yeah, and uh, again, you were saying about Christmas films. I'm guessing you've never seen Christmas with the Cranks when it comes to films that really that, are um, just miserable when it comes to Christmas. Yeah. So, never seen it, but always see it on streaming. Around this time, always see it. I, I can see yeah. the image of the cover now. Is that where they're like leaning forward or something? I they're leaning see... into a snowman, I think, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, I can see, see like, the cover, but I've never and watched it. It's just one of those films that I refuse to watch, and I've watched so many reviews of it now, which show it's just so mean-spirited, <laughs> and there's just very little to it that actually makes you think, yeah, you know what, this 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 is a nice film, and even if it ended nicely, I'm going to enjoy it. It, it just doesn't come across that way to me. But yeah, Jingle All The Way, that whole thing of it just again as an adult probably works more than it did as a child as a child seeing arnie become oh what's the name of the toy in there uh, turbo man <laughs> turbo man seeing turbo him man. become turbo man um and seeing all of the chaos that's taking part in the the parade and everything in the shop leading up to that it's it was just funny as a kid and then watching it as an adult you kind of look at it and you think I know this is a film. I know that it couldn't really happen, but I wish it kind of would happen at the same time. Not that not being able to buy the toy for my kid, that would be absolutely horrible, but (laughs) the whole being discovered and the whole seeing how humans are actually portrayed in this, which is probably actually very accurate, isn't it? When you, you look at, especially back in 2020 with all the lockdown fights going on in Tesco's over the last packet of beef. I know. It's a toilet roll. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> toilet roll for the illness that doesn't actually make you shit yourself we we, we are stockpiling toilet paper do you have um, imdb up at the minute because uh, i do indeed i can't for the life of me so the kid in it he's so familiar to the face now he's either one of three people two people he's either jake lloyd who i know that's his name who plays the kid from phantom menace and can just go always the one so, from yeah, big so daddy Jamie- no, Jamie, Lang- Jamie Langston, so Arnold's son, is Jake Lloyd. Right, okay, that makes sense then. Okay. And interestingly, the mall Santa, this must have been one of Jim Belushi's last roles, because he must have died around that time. But um, Jim Belushi oh. was, yeah, in, in fact, let me have a look. Oh, no, it's not. Which of the Belushi brothers is? John. Oh, it's John Belushi, isn't he? Yeah. He's dead. Yeah, sorry, no, no. So Jim Belushi, yeah. Okay, yeah, ignore me then. Sorry, I'll get my names muddled up on that <laughs> one. But no, yeah, it's it, Jim Belushi I didn't even realise was the mall Santa in this. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, again, you know, like you said, Phil Hartman was Ted in this. Again, it's just a name that when you see it, you think, oh, yeah, Simpsons <laughs> guy. I can't watch, even on TV, even vid- visually, I still can't stop hearing... Um, Troy McClure. It's, it's Troy McClure, isn't it? <laughs> it is Troy yeah. McClure, yeah. And uh, the number of times that Troy McClure voice is used <laughs> as well. We're watching through on Disney Plus all of the episodes from episode one all the way to the latest ones, which are just awful, awful abominations of mm. what isn't The Simpsons anymore. And you realise there's so many side characters that are just Troy McClure's voice. Um, it's it's, it's, oh, it's very, very funny. but um. Yeah, you're right. Jingle All The Way is its just one of those films you've got to watch for a Christmas side of things, yeah. don't you? Um, 
I'm very glad you chose that then for 1996. I mean, I didn't realise it was 96. I would have said it was maybe 94, 95. I didn't think it was that late, especially considering what other films that came out in 96, like Independence Day, 12 Monkeys, Star Trek First Contact. It Jingle All The Way feels much more 90s, if you get what I mean. It feels very much Home Alone era yeah. versus... Well, if you look at that, as I said, first concept, although it's a Star Trek film, again, I wouldn't have said it was that old saying that, but uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm getting myself kind of going <laughs> off into that nostalgic period again. But yeah, 1996 in film seems to be a very good year. Um, but I guess we should move on. So uh, what are you going to choose next? Do you want to go music or do you want to go game? Right, I'll go for music. Now, this one, everyone knows the song. Uh, whether you love it or hate it, but the reason why ninety six, I get eight years old, and growing up in Manchester, Oasis was everything. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. When I'm eight, it's not like I was buying Oasis albums because I, I wasn't. It was just that was like the soundtrack of Manchester. You know, it was everywhere. So I picked Wonderwall. Um, that was released oh, fair enough. ninety six. Um, again, an enjoyable you know, song. Yeah, decent song. But it was from from ninety six, yeah. That was it. Was just pure nostalgia for me. It was I, every time I hear it, I can just imagine being back in the states in Manchester playing football, just not caring. Just it, I don't know. It's a song that just reminds me when I was just pure childhood. Because this, you know, hmm. music. It's just when you hear that, and it's just yeah. Um, I don't know. It was. I still, I still really, I still enjoy the song. But it was yeah, it's a pure nostalgic. So theme what for what me. album was that on? Was that um what's the story Morning Glory? That would have been it must have been what's the story Morning Glory? Or was, is it the I've other got, one? As much as I enjoy uh yeah, it's from the album What's the Story Morning Glory. Um as much as I enjoy Oasis, there's only a handful of songs that I probably enjoy. Wonderwall's one of them, Don't Look Back in Anger. Um you know, very, very standard. Live Forever is one of my favourites by them. Um, I never really listened to much of them otherwise. Uh, again, I'm not sure. It's not necessarily because I dislike them. It's more, I think, uh, I never got into them. So I'll listen to them. Yeah. You, you, you play me an Oasis album, and I'll quite happily listen along to it. But it's it's not something I I choose to go and listen to, except for the the, the few I've already said, which quite often end up on my car playlist because they're ones and you're right you hear them everywhere you hear them on the buskers you hear them on the yeah. let's see things like x factor everyone can do it and I, I don't know if that's just because there's the joke a bit like status quo there's only a handful of chords for the songs and they're always oh the yeah same. there is yeah i think it's well you you play the guitar don't you so um <laughs> you, you you know the score when it comes to are they simple or not to play but i think it's just because they're they're catchy songs yeah, yeah, and I think it it was the year. I mean, you had the whole Madchester scene, wasn't it? Like Happy Monday, Stone Roses, Oasis, all that kind of theme. That's that sound, and mm. um, yeah, I mean, you, you tend to get a lot of people if they're against them. You get this whole comparison: oh, they stole Beatles stuff. I mean, even I'm thirty two. We still have this debate in the band I'm in, um, and it's a case of well. <laughs> Yes and no. I mean, you can hear the the um, 
inspiration that's there. But Liam Gallagher's the first one to come out and go, yeah, I am trying to be like John Lennon. Look, I dress like him, you know. So I kind of like that little bit of arrogance and... Um, well, yeah, they say but, he kind you know, of imitations the most uh, prevalent way of flattery, isn't yeah. it? Something along those lines. That's not, I know that's not exact people, but uh, you know what we're talking about. But yeah, you're right. There's why be ashamed of imitating what you've based your your band on? Yeah. Um. I, yeah. I remember the, the 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 school playground kind of discussions on that one, Oasis, and yeah, the, there was very much the you were either a lover or a hater of it, mm. and um, a lot of the time the haters, you're right, would say you only they they they're just a poor man's Beatles. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And, uh, I used to hear that quite a lot. But at the time when you're eight, you don't really realize how big the Beatles were. You know, <laughs> like the, the greatest band probably ever. You don't think like that when you're a kid. You just pick out what is at the time. Um, it wasn't until as I grew older, I started to appreciate more of Oasis stuff, but more of the B sides, if anything. So not like the ones that not everyone really knows about. And um, yeah, I just had to kind of think 96 i mean when we get into other episodes and if we're getting like 80s you know then i'll, I'll be enjoying the music side more <laughs> yeah well, I like the again, music. don't forget again we don't have to have music so we've we, 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 we've said in this this new format that we're going to look at movies tv music games and that could be video games that could be board games but when it comes yeah. to that it doesn't have to be b music you could choose a film and a tv show and a game or any yeah, of mixture course. of it at all really so again i wouldn't be too worried about kind of when we're getting into an era when there, there's not particularly any songs there um i mean there's going to be a fair few eras that i'm not going to really want to choose music for because again 96 for me it's weird. I would have been in my second year at secondary school at this point. And, um, well, no, I would have been in my first year. So it depends what, which part of the year we're talking about 96 wise, but up to the summer, obviously I was in year seven. And then after the summer holidays, I would have been year eight. But, um, when I started going to school in 96 and I'll cover this more kind of in, in part two, when it comes to my music choice, I was still very closeted on my my likes and dislikes of music. I didn't really listen to the radio. I much preferred watching TV and playing with my friends. I mean, in year seven, I was still playing. I was still going to the park. I was still playing football with my friends, things like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I mainly listened to 50s and 60s rock and roll because that's what my, my parents listened to. That's what I was brought up with. Um, it wasn't probably until 99 that I really kind of discovered rock and various other other music types then. But if I went for kind of memory of what I can remember of 96, I remember in kind of, yeah, Oasis was massive and kind of trying to join in on that community because the other community was everyone listening to R&B. Yeah, So course, things yeah. like the Fugees and, and at that point I hated it. <laughs> I absolutely disliked it. But if you said to me now, what music do you like? I listen to everything. I the food. I listen to R and B. I listen to heavy metal. I listen to rock, death metal. You name it. I listen to it. If it's got a beat and I like it, you get to that age, don't you, where you you stop actually caring what other people think and just say, "Well, I like that song, so that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm going to listen to." Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, I guess really that 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 probably 
caught, would have caused a lot of arguments being in year seven trying to say that because again people kids no matter how old you are as a kid you get told don't you by your mates you're either one side or the other you can't be everything <laughs> kids don't seem to be able to kind of understand that side of things do they it's always no. kind of uh you've got to choose if you don't choose you can't play with us sort of thing mm. oh yeah um what's so i'm just just picking on this now just purely because you've chosen wonderwall what would you say is the worst rendition of wonderwall you've ever heard if you can even pick one does anything come to mind because again yes. for me there's so St Albans Town Centre again. It's where I've lived all my life. I know you lived up in Manchester, so your 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 childhood's going to be very different to what I remember because you won't remember half the things I remember from around here. Um, but we always have buskers in town, and they are always trying to do Wonderwall. And the majority of the buskers are just teenagers who've got the idea that it's going to be a quick way to make some money. They, on the most part, just ruin that song. <laughs> Um, there's one I don't know if you know about this so Jay-Z headlined Glastonbury a few years ago uh, right, me, no I didn't know about check this the year 2010 I think it was right and Noel Gallagher I think it was, it would have been Noel came out and said Jay-Z shouldn't be headlining Glastonbury, you know Glastonbury is a rock festival, not just a rock festival but band festival, you know yeah, he, he, he didn't because I think Jay Z was the first rapper to headline Glastonbury. I think that was the issue. So Jay Z came out and sung Wonderwall. <laughs> what? Uh, on it, you, you can throw it in here. You can. It's yeah, it's I, so I bad because he's trying to sing it, but he's trying to do a, a a piss take at the same time. Like he's not trying to sing, and he's so right, bad. Okay, and it's just like yes, and he comes out. Yeah, I think he has a guitar in his hand. He doesn't obviously play, but. It's so cringe. That's that. That sounds absolutely amazing. I am going to have to. Uh, I, I will grab that off YouTube, and if I find a clip of it, you will hear it now. Accessing database. Jay Z butchering Wonderwall found. Downloading clip from 2008 now. Okay, so you, you know what? That is possibly one of the worst versions of Wonderwall I've ever heard. And, um, that, 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 that's terrible. Um, but saying that, when did Glastonbury stop being a rock concert is kind of one of the things that I was thinking about. When you said kind of Jay-Z, it kind of then made me think, you know what, when you hear about the classic Glastonbury lineups mm. and you look at the current lineups, there's... <sighs> Other than the fact that the majority of them, I don't even know who they are anymore, and that's just me being older I think you could say and the sounding same about, old. Um, Reading Festival as well. Reading, I mean, I've only been once to Reading, and that was because Guns N' Roses played a few years ago. But mm. now I look at the lineup, and it's it used to be the biggest one, you know, one of the biggest in the world, and now it's it's very, yeah. I think they're scared to keep it very. Classic. I mean, we we both mm. love rock and metal. So Download Festival, for instance, still sticks to its guns and still gets um, the classics in the classic 
Oh, it's, absolutely. It's Download Download is one of the few kind of shows that has maintained its roots and it's done well. I mean, if you you again, if we ever get kind of the year ninety nine onwards, um, Kerrang magazine. I yep. used to buy yeah, on a semi-regular basis. Um, and that used to be all about heavy metal, rock. And you know what? It was an amazing magazine. And I picked it up the other day and I wouldn't purchase it anymore. I've got oh, to say it. Oh, they still it's... do it? Um, oh, I, I don't know if know. it's still... I, I, I'm saying that when I say the other day, that could be anywhere up to <laughs> about five years ago. Um, but the last time I saw a um, pick it up, uh, the last time I picked it up, it was basically new wave, pop rock yeah they were covering it wasn't what it used to be i mean you wouldn't find let's say um pantera you wouldn't find soil you wouldn't find ramstein in it anymore you were more likely to find some sort of pop rock band instead it it, it changed massively and I, I'm, I'm glad i got it while it was still in its prime um but yeah you're right reading again it's another one i look at the kind of lineup and think didn't Reading used to be a rock show? <laughs> oh, always, um, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, I guess the, the last thing I want to ask you about Wonderwall and Oasis is going to be what actually happened between Liam and Noel? Because I know basically they don't talk or there's something along those lines that they they split the band and that was that, but I actually have no idea what happened well, there. It's weird. I mean, they've, they've, they've split up on and off now, now for years, but when this one that happened that's been obviously the main one nothing's really been said too much i know it happened in paris but noel so when i was a kid everyone preferred noel i don't know what it was i think because liam in the 90s was very i mean you must remember in your face cocky uh, like and everyone was he like, was oh, the one that was dick. always in trouble wasn't he you, yes. you could always guarantee that if you saw him on screen he was probably drunk <laughs> and he was probably shouting and swearing at someone. And you could guarantee that the front page of The Sun, if it ever had him on, would be middle finger yeah, right in the camera lens. And now it seems to be like, not the roles have reversed, because Noel's not, still not like that. But when you watch Noel in interviews, he's very snobby now. Because um, obviously That's he was the main songwriter. So I think he kind of got a bit up himself. Where Liam, when you watch him now, interviews... You kind of feel sorry for him because you, it's like he just want, he even says he goes I just want the band back together. He goes, you know, I want to be a proper band, and you kind of feel like he's kind of relive his youth, but in a way where he's not acting really like a dick. He's got families, married, things like this, and now I prefer Liam. <laughs> I don't. It's well, really interesting. It's actually, weird. Because I never assumed kind of. Um that there wasn't a story to be known. I always assumed I just missed something and, and lacking mm. any sort of care about celebrities. I just, just missed it. But the fact that it's actually not really widely yeah, known because Liam as to a, what, what kind of happened, then oh, that, 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 that makes me feel a bit better. Yeah, because he did a film. Um, I think it was called As You Were, like named after his album, like a little documentary thing. And it's really interesting. He's, he's behind... Um, uh, backstage, he's about to play a concert and he's sitting there drinking his like honey tea, just calm. And you think this isn't Liam Gallagher, but it, it's obviously how he's changed and really changed. And he goes back to his mum, and she still lives in the same house. They were kids, you know, she's not splashed out. Oh, that's out. awesome. And they're talking and saying, Oh, you know, 
you should visit more often. He goes, oh, no, I should, I know I should. But apparently Noel never visits. He's in America. He's li- So I think it's very, Liam's kind of still very homegrown, but Noel's gone a bit to his head. I, th- I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. he's, he's really taken the lifestyle and just gone with it, hasn't he? It's the one band that of everyone I've seen, the one band I haven't seen live. Um. I don't think yeah, so you've seen considerably more bands than <laughs> I have ever have, and uh, that, that, that's kind of. I think I've pretty that, much seen everyone I've wanted to see, except ACDC. I missed out, and obviously, I'm, that's probably not going to happen now. And Oasis, everyone else, I've kind of ticked off my list. Yeah, nice, very nice. I mean, I there are bands that I would kill to see, and I just know that I, it will never happen. I mean, I would have loved to have seen Metallica. Um, oh yeah, and. I know they're still touring, but A, the ticket price is just disgusting. <laughs> Whenever they come up, they are just overly priced, in my opinion. Yeah. And I, I think that's for any any concert. I don't care how big someone is. The ticket should always be affordable. And whether that means they sell out, well, they sell out. Yeah. Um, but Hetfield's voice has, has, has gone now. The last couple of kind of gigs that I've seen where they, they've played live and I've, um, I've just watched the stream of them. Yeah. It's it's very hard to enjoy when you consider how different his voice is from back in the days of things like Puppets and uh, Lightning. Um, but again, all their recent stuff, I don't think I've enjoyed anything since some kind of Saint Anger. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've just changed massively. And then band-wise, I guess Aerosmith I would love to see live. That, that would be one that I would absolutely kill to see. You're right, with ACDC, Alice Cooper... Um, those are the three that I would say if I ever got a chance to now as an adult, especially now I'm earning quite decently, I would probably splash out the cash on. Well, Alice um, Cooper's quite. I mean, I've, I think I've seen him four times, but his his prices have always been quite reasonable. Like that forty fifty pound. If you get a concert for fifty quid, that's cheap now. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And he puts, I a, mean, he puts a show on like it's a proper theatre magic tricks. Like he chops his head off. It's Amazing. Precisely, it, it, it's a proper stage show. Now, again, it's pro- probably probably not your type of music, um, granted. But about two years ago, um, I was sat on the sofa with my partner. And that's before we moved into our house where we have now, and um, I was just looking online, and I said to her, "Oh, look, Pink's playing in Wembley tonight." And, and my partner loves Pink. Yeah. Full stop. Absolutely, yeah, her favourite artist of all time. Um, so I said, oh, would you like to go and see her? And he said, oh, you're joking, aren't you? And we looked at the ticket cost, and there was stupid money, as, as you'd expect, especially with it being Wembley. And I'm not yeah. talking arena here. I'm talking Wembley itself. <laughs> and um, I was looking at available tickets. And, um, yeah, what I didn't realise, on the night when a gig is going on, if you look at a couple of the sites, they sell their tickets up until the point the show has even started. Oh yeah, yeah. And with two hours before the show was to start, and that's the um, that's their guest support performances act, yeah. at the beginning, the support act. Um, I managed to get two tickets for us. We were uh, on the side of the stage, so we weren't directly in front, but we had a perfect view of the stage, probably about a third to a half way up Wembley seating, looking oh, yeah. down. 50 quid a ticket. And to be fair, Pink is an amazing stage show. And again, if you've never watched it, Rob, dial up Pink on YouTube and watch some of the... She is basically one of the fittest people known to man. And she she plugs herself into um, 
these harnesses and she basically gets flown around the entire saw arena. I saw a little clip of it, yeah, getting thrown around. While singing. <laughs> and it, it, it's not Madonna singing here. I'm talking, you can hear where she's out of breath. You can hear yeah, her body really being good. thrown about, but she's still singing. And I'll tell you what, it was, as much as there's only a handful of songs I enjoy by her, the show was bloody amazing. So yeah, for me now, I am just going to look at these kind of, sites that pre-book all their tickets and then the day before or literally before the gig starts i'll look and see if i can get a cheap ticket yeah it's such a shame that touts just got involved um i mean the most i've paid is 125 quid but that was for when guns and roses originally come back as a you know original band so i, I didn't care what i was paying for my favorite band um but in general i mean i've got tickets for like what you said I um, I remember looking at Eminem, Twickenham Stadium, and now his tickets mm. were hundred and hundred and fifteen pound. That was the retail value. So, and this was the day of the gig, and I think it was about six o'clock, five five six o'clock. I had to get to Twickenham, so I thought I'll just have a look. And it was, I bought them from people saying they can't go tonight. Does anyone want my tickets? Wow. So you got that little bit of a risk because there's no guarantee. It could be fake, things like that. Yeah. But this guy, um. He said, how do I give you the tickets? And I said, I don't know. And he goes, right, do you know what? He goes, I got them through Ticketmaster. Here's my username and password. Log in, print them off. Print them out. And then I'll nice. change the password. And I got, I think we went for like 35 quid each. He sold them. And they were 115 each. And That's it was, amazing. Yeah. So you get lucky like that, especially so, the I mean, big stadium gigs. Because if 60,000 people can go, there's going to be a good, say, 1,000 where something comes up and they can't go. So there's always so for, that little bit. So for Pink, that was um very, very weird because basically, so it was two hours before the support act. Yeah. I managed to buy the tickets. I then drove from Harrow to Wembley, which although on a map doesn't look very far, trust me, especially on <laughs> a gig day, that means the traffic. traffic's dire. I found a place to park in Wembley that I had to pay £7 for the half an hour parking. I then ran about two and a half miles to a hotel next to Wembley where you then got escorted upstairs and there's the ticket company in a suite and they print the ticket out and took it. I then ran uphill back to the car, drove all the way back to Harrow where I then met my my partner. We then got on the train and straight back to Wembley uh, Wembley, where we then went in just as the um, support act was finishing. Um, so you still got the whole show so, then? Oh yeah, we got the whole show of what we wanted, and um, it just shows you, you can kind of do it in a very limited amount of time mm. for a lot of money saved. Um, so that that's tip of the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, have you ever seen Oasis live? No, one band, Oasis, and yeah. So I've mentioned ACDC, but Oasis, I think they split up a, a properly split up. What was it, two thousand and seven, eight? Something like that. Right, I remember okay. being at an age where money was still in. I, I didn't have loads of money. I think I was only like twenty. So mm. where if it was now, of course, I, we could, I could just go. But yeah, I don't think they're gonna get back together. I've seen Aerosmith when he played. They played high pop. Lucky, that's lucky. A, well, gets. that's another good one. Um, there's a few glitches. So High Park, it's called um. British Summertime, that's it, BST, it's in Hyde Park, and every year they play about 10 gigs. Um, right. And this one was Aerosmith, supported by Chris Cornell and Run DMC. Uh, Run DMC came on with Aerosmith to sing 
walk this way. It was like this nice. massive. <laughs> yeah, um, and that was only like 50 quid or something like that. Um, I've been to another one where it was Black Sabbath. And again, it's just finding right tickets, right prices and... Yeah, and no, I guess it's about keeping your ears to the ground and being willing to uh, sit down and just refresh a page, isn't it, over and mm. over again. I mean, it's 96 at the moment. Can you imagine? The only way we could purchase tickets was if someone had a credit card that you knew and it was phone lines, wasn't it? Yeah. You had to phone up or go to the ticket office. Oh, I remember them days. <laughs> you see, funny enough, I don't. My parents never had credit cards or debit cards, and they still don't. They hate them. They they deal in cash, cash, mm. or cash. Um, so if I ever needed something ordered, we had to speak to my aunt and uncle who did have a debit card, and they would order things for us if it was from a, a catalogue. Um, oh, right. But again, the world was different then. You could do cash orders or you could do backs transfers, couldn't you, with your order number, and then then they'd send it to you. But uh, yeah. Yeah, buying tickets now it's uh, versus kind of 2020, actually it's f- harder, but you probably had more chance of actually getting to see and getting a ticket. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I remember when um, talking about like going to the box office, my uncle, Manchester, it was 1988, and he went to go and watch Michael Jackson, the bad tour at Wembley Stadium, got the coach down there, hadn't got a ticket, and he queued, he told me he queued for about 24 hours outside the stadium. And it wasn't just him. There was thousands of fans, you know, and it, you know, it was a different time back then. Now you just go online, sold out. But back then you had to make That's... that bit more of an effort to get the ticket. Yeah, but there you go. It just yeah. it just shows you. So it's 96, that's 24 years from when, when we're currently going to be recording mm. this. And uh, it just shows you how much things have changed in that 24 years, I guess. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's quite insane. But, uh, Okay, well, is there anything else that you want to say about kind of Wonderwall or Oasis? Because I guess really we're uh, getting to that point that we need to move on to your your final no. pick of this year. No, we can move on. Okay, then, so uh, what have you picked? Is it a TV show? Is it a board game? Or is it a video game, I guess? What are you going for? It is a video game. Very and good. it is Crash Bandicoot. Scanning local TV stations. RF signal found. Advert playing. At 22.16 hours, we got a call that a man was acting erratically in the store. He was acting like a maniac. When we arrived on the scene, the store had been emptied of its customers because of the behavior of this gentleman. It took us a while to control the situation, and there was some frustration involved. We've had three incidences this week. I wouldn't go as far as to say epidemic. They're annoying. Again, very good, especially <laughs> as I've just bought the second time that I've bought this, um, the remastered edition of all three, but this time for the Switch. All right. Okay. Um, I know previously we played with someone thou shall not be uh, spoken about anymore, played the remastered game and uh, found it was incredibly difficult, but I enjoyed it. See, I still I enjoyed that. it. When... I heard a lot of, com- not complaints, but a lot of people are always saying, I don't remember it being this hard. But then, was it always that hard as a kid? Like, 
is it just because we've got older we've started to like think oh is this got more tricky um I don't well, know. When I played this, it's 96. I didn't have glasses yet. <laughs> I didn't get glasses until 2009, 2008. Oh, okay. um, yeah, so I could, I could just... But I was failing eyesight. That's why I find it so hard. No, from what I understand, basically what used to be slightly easier because of the way the um polygons and how the game was programmed and how it looked and worked on the PlayStation 1 yeah with it being remastered you lost the niceties that the first game had because everything was so much more polished so you then had to become pixel perfect yeah that's very true and i think that that's what most people were complaining about that it was very unforgiving but it's a game, if it's forgiving, you're going to complete it very quickly. I think it took me many hours to get through the remastered yeah. first version of the game. Yeah. Um, and I did probably feel cheated a fair few deaths, but you know what? I got through it. I still enjoyed it. <laughs> Frustrating as it was. But anyway, so we'll go and tell me about your memories of Crash Bandicoot. I can't believe that's 96, but then again, the PS1 was 95, wasn't it? So 95 in Japan, 96 in the UK, I want to say. 90, I mean, after, what, for Crash Bandicoot or PS? Uh, the PlayStation 1 itself. Um, let's see, I've got it here. So it was... Oh, here we go. So it was, um, oh, yeah, 94. Japan 94, America yeah. 95, Europe September 95. Uh, so it was ni- Yeah, okay. But Crash um, Bandicoot was 96. Tell me more about your your memories of kind of Crash Bandicoot then, because uh, there's a few that I want to talk about. Um, But yeah, go for it, dude. Tell me what why why have you chosen Crash Bandicoot? Um, I like the I kind of like the backstory as well. um, That Sony they didn't have a mascot, so they wanted to kind of incorporate something very similar to Sonic and Mario, where they had their own mascot and. Uh, to me, it worked, but it was a game that I think all my friends had. I don't know if it was like right. a console bundle. There was something, I think similar to Wipeout, where they it, everyone seemed to have it. So it was kind of a, a nice thing where you were competing against each other so you could complete quickly and things like that. Um, but I've always kind of liked that, not simple game, but the simplicity of it. Um and I just remember playing it so, so much. It's just one of the biggest memories for me. I mean, yeah, I think it was Crash because then I think Tekken 2 was the same year, but I remember getting that later. So yeah. things like Crash Bandicoot and Tekken and Metal Gear were very my big memories, but I think Crash was the, yeah, I think it was the first one. So again, I didn't actually. <sighs> Backwards as it sounds, I, I'm in IT, and you you think, okay, well, you must have always liked computers, and yes, I always did like computers, but we had our ZX Spectrum until the early '90s, and then uh, basically the parents turned around and said, you can have a games console when you can afford to buy one, um, which meant we didn't have one for quite a while, and I think the first one we had was a Mega Drive, which my oldest brother bought when he first got a job, and he bought that off second hand off uh, my middle brother's friend, but yeah, again, '96. My oldest brother then got rid of the Mega Drive and he bought a PlayStation 1. And he bought it with three games. He bought it with Crash Bandicoot, Theme Hospital, and he bought it with the original Worms. 
Uh, and I have just very, very, very fond memories of playing Worms on that 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 console when he first got it, but also playing Crash Bandicoot. And going back to what you were saying about everyone seemed to have it, I think parents bought it just because it was a safe bet. You know, it was a it wasn't a game full of blood guts. Yeah, it a little furry again. Yeah, 95, 96, we're starting to see much more violent games now. We're starting to see kind of soon Grand Theft Auto will be out in 97, 98. And it it doesn't involve guns. It's this soft, fluffy character. And um, you're right. It was probably the fact that PS1 uh, or Sony, sorry, pushed it to be the mascot of the console. Um, But off the top of my head, I actually can't remember if it was ever bundled with it or not. Now, I remember you used to get a demo disc with the PlayStation. Um, Oh, it could be that, actually. Again, I don't even know if it was included as a demo. I'd I'd have to look that up. But then remember, PlayStation and all video game magazines always got demo discs. You you haven't had that for years, but... Well, yeah, the PlayStation magazine and... um, I don't know where we got them from, but we got given a big pile of those demo discs and they were always really easy to tell because they had really bright colours and they were the same design, just different colours. And they they looked amazing, but there was a game on one of them um, that was an ESPN racer game, so the sports network. But you could either do... Oh, what was it? It was either street luge or you could go on rollerblades and it was downhill and it was basically road rash, but downhill. <laughs> um, and we used to play the hell out of that demo. We played it a hell of a lot, actually. Um, but yeah, the demo discs, I still remember going down to our news agent. It was, uh, it was dark, so it must have been end of autumn, winter, and buying the official PlayStation magazine with the five-minute Grand Theft Auto 1 demo on it. <laughs> And it was either a five or a ten minute demo, and at the end of that time, it, the, the the console just reset. Oh, I remember demo disc. Yeah, constant. When you were a kid, you couldn't afford every game, so you just had to keep well, demo re- discs keep were amazing. Demo, because, yeah. Yeah, you, you you usually got the first level of a game or a timed game, didn't you? And again, mm. that Grand Theft Auto disc it had Grand Theft Auto on it, and I think it had Pandemonium. It might have been one oh, or two. It might have been Pandemonium, Pandemonium two. Um. And it might have had Medieval on it as well, which was that claymation-looking game. Yeah, with the weird eye. I can see his That's weird the eye one. on the cover. <laughs> yes, big bulging eye. Yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, no, Crash Bandicoot, it was just that beautiful, colourful game. It was, uh, again, interesting because it was kind of the first platformer that was, although it was 3D, it was... Um, would you call it 3D or would you say it was kind of a two and a oh, half D experience? Because you kind of you could go backwards and forwards or left and right, but there was no real open world to it, was there? No. AKA Mario 64. It's weird, yeah. I know what you mean. It's like a 3D side scroll. No, it's not a side scroll, but yeah. Well, it, it's it's kind of two and a half D, isn't yeah. it? Where the environment is 3D, what you're seeing is 3D, but you are limited to one of the dimensions mm. uh, as in motion wise it was forward backwards left or right or up and down you didn't do all of them in one go yeah that's very true actually that really yeah so it'd be because yeah because it was just square it wasn't um wasn't until was it crunch bandicoot 3 when you could start driving I never played it. I think Crash Bandicoot 2 had a couple of driving sections to it, but Crash Bandicoot 3, which is, is it Warped? Wrath Warped. Some, yeah, a, a Cortex, Cortex. 
Ah, uh, but either either way, I did. I thought it was it was gen generally understood that the third kind of took both games, the first and second, yeah, and basically did. came up with what was a uh, the perfect package. Mm. But again, it's interesting as a brand. I don't think they've done that many lemons, have they? They the first, second, and third games were highly rated. The Crash Nitro Kart was very, very highly rated. Um, the remasters were rated. So, did they actually ever release a Crash Bandicoot game that was rubbish? I don't think they did because you had, like you said, you had the couple of the uh, the racing games, and then the four. I mean, they've only just released the fourth one. That's how long it's been. So. Well, yeah, that 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 uh, that amazed me. The fact that there's this uh this fourth game appeared. I didn't even know about it to be honest until I walked into Tesco the other day, and it was at the very front <laughs> of the store. Um, very tempting to pick it up because if it is as good as the originals, then it would yeah, be I worth buying. Be very, I guess I think it'd be very good. I've not played it or tried it yet, but um, the problem is it, it's I don't know. There's something about those type of games. I'm not a fan of them charging AAA prices for something no. that's not really AAA. Like, I mean, I got the original three on remaster for the Switch for twenty quid in the sale, and I thought that was a fair price. Oh yeah, yeah, this is fifty um, quid now. Crash Bandicoot Four. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think any of the remasters deserve that higher price. I got Spyro remastered, and I got that for twenty quid in the sale as well. And that again, very very good game. All they need to do now is do um, the remaster of Croc, and I'll be happy. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, these modern games that are basically just continuing on from where the original games left off, I don't see it's worth sixty or fifty quid. No, no, no. But then again, I, I think this, I, I think the same about all of these Call of Duty and Battlefield games now. They're the same game, slightly more polished every time graphics-wise, with a new storyline. And that, that's pretty much it, isn't it? There isn't anything massively different about those games. And in fact, the latest Call of Duty is just a, uh, a player G, uh, um, player unknown Battlegrounds clone, isn't it? Yeah, that's the one I play. I mean, I do play that a lot, but it's free. So I can't really complain. Oh, is about that, that is that one free? Is it? Yeah, oh, fair, um, I, did, I didn't know that. I thought I, I assumed that they'd be charging it. Oh. No, it's it's completely free. You don't need to, really. You don't need to pay anything. Um, if you want to pay, shot, it's then. usually cosmetics. It's and it's very. It is very good. It's very addictive because I play with friends online. So mm. yeah, it is very. I don't, yeah, I don't think I'd need to buy another one. I mean, I'm 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 surprised they've not started to charge something you can get a battle pass but which costs i think it costs eight pounds so every time you level up you unlock new stuff but you also unlock coins which then go towards next season's battle pass so it kind of pays for itself so microtransactions mixed with subscriptions mixed with in-game currency basically yeah but you you don't need to buy any, because you still level up whether you buy anything or not. So you, you can choose not to do that. The problem that I've always found with this, and it's the same with uh, the Battlefield series of um, games and um, the Star Wars pa- Battlefield, is day one, you think this is brilliant, we're all on a, yeah. a fairly <laughs> similar uh, level, and straight out the woodwork, you've got all these people that basically spunk so much money into it, and it just it destroys it being any enjoyment mm. but if this means it's purely just cosmetic on warzone then that, that that sounds pretty good yeah i mean i mean don't go me right. i mean is it cosmetic yeah it is because you can 
get all these guns just playing normally. It's issue like for instance Halloween, they just released like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Saw uh, cosmetics yeah. where you can dress up as them, and your guns have got certain symbols. Just people pay it, so it doesn't make any difference in the game really. Oh, fair so, enough. That, that, yeah. that sounds pretty good. I'll have to download that, and I'll have to uh, have to join you at some yeah, point. Yeah, 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 definitely. Because I've been playing um, for about a year now. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, I, well, I back, don't usually to... get addictive with games like that, but it is quite. <laughs> it is very good. Oh, fair enough. Well, back to 1996. Anyway, so um, oh yeah, <laughs> I I never played Crash Bandicoot two or three, but the first one, as I say, it it it, it was enjoyable. But you're right, and I'm, I'm just thinking about more what you said there. Is it more difficult now than it was back then, or were we just a bit more accepting that difficult games existed, and it was probably because we hadn't played it enough, and therefore, being a child, not having an eight-hour work day, eight hours sleep, yeah, you had meant day, we you? couldn't just sit there and play it all day. Uh, therefore, perfecting all of the small things in it, and therefore making it slightly easier. Mm. Um, and I would probably hazard a guess for me that that would be the case. Yes, I would say it's probably because Saturday, Sunday, I had nothing to do, so I would play it for near on that entire forty-eight hours. Yeah, exactly. And also, I think I don't think I got as angry as much when I was a kid. So if I lost a life or so, I don't think I really reacted. Now when I'm older, I think. Like you said about the time, it's like we don't have as much time to do it, so we have to. <laughs> I get more frustrated if I can't complete it. So, mm, mm. Oh, no, I understand that one. Um, I mean, I've just started replaying through Dead Space Two, and as much as I would love to, I'd love to dedicate three or four hours a go at playing the game, but mm. I just don't have the time anymore. So I, I, I get maybe an hour if I'm lucky, and I just don't feel like I can properly get into a game anymore. No, I know what you mean. So, um, yeah, that that must be kind of it, really. The game probably was hard, but the amount we got to play it would have been uh, what negated that difficulty. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Uh, but I'm... Again, 96, I'm surprised you didn't go for something down the N64 route. Because, again, looking at kind of the video games released in 1996, we uh, there were a lot to choose from. Because I, I was thinking about what I would uh, choose. I mean, you had Duke Nukem 3D, which, again, I would have thought was older, but obviously it wasn't. You had Civilization 2. Quake had come out at that point. Nights into Dreams, which I know you're a fan of. I wasn't, I don't know, I I never got the N64 at any point uh, in that era. It was always when I was a lot older. Um, I don't know what it was, I don't know. You see, well, I'm also realising now that I should have really chosen Tomb Raider for when it comes to my part, because Tomb <laughs> Raider is one that. of my all-time favourite games. But uh, <laughs> you know what? It doesn't really matter. We'll we'll get 1996 again and we'll revisit this era once, once more. But... um. There were a lot of games, really, at that point. I mean, FIFA 97 as well, so that yeah. must have been one of the first 3D FIFAs. Yeah, it would have been, because um, 95 was Mega Drive. 95 was Mega Drive, because we had that on our Mega Drive. <laughs> I think, we, I, I think again, everyone had that. We used to play it a lot, and I, although I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely crap at football games, one of the things I thoroughly used to enjoy doing was running up, and if you pressed A, B, and C together at the same time, you'd foul the person. <laughs> And then you could run you away could from the referee. take out the goalkeeper as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then you got chased by the referee who's trying to give you a card. And if you just ran away, he kept following you. Um, 
But you know, I know what you mean about the N64. I remember our friend having that, playing it with him and thinking, meh, that's it. It wasn't until about three years later or four years later, I bought his N64 secondhand and I got to sit down with uh, Super Mario 64, or Mario oh, 64, yeah. sorry. And um, without having to hand over the controller every five minutes or being berated for anything, that's when I discovered my enjoyment in Super Mario and Mario 64. And um, that's when I discovered how good a game it was, especially in comparison to like Crash Bandicoot and, and well, Croc, which was kind of that open world 3D game. And uh, yeah, Mario 64 just knew how to do it properly. And I guess 96, that's that's bloody impressive. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, well, I've got a feeling we should probably move on to my selection. So what I suggest we do, let's do our little outro and uh, we will record our next bit of content, which will come up in about two weeks. So, Rob, why don't you uh, tell our fans and the people listening where they can find us? They can find um, me at retro underscore throwback on Twitter. And let's have <laughs> let's have a look. We can find you can find us at Before Prime Pod, and that's on yeah, Twitter, and that's, Twitter, Facebook, yep. and Instagram. Yeah, we are now on Instagram ah. as well. We've had about 170 likes on the picture of the Bill and Ted poster, which uh, nice. led them off to that episode. Um, so that was nice to see. Um, just to point out guys as well what we will be doing is we will be putting polls up on twitter after part two and those polls will be who chose the best things for 1996 was it me or was it rob and then <laughs> they'll we'll, we'll bring those up in the next episode yeah um so i've been tom you can find me on twitter and on facebook and on instagram with at we lollygagger um the podcast is everywhere that you can find podcasts now it's on google it's on spotify it's on basically any of your apps now you'll be able to find us you can also go to anchor.fm the land before prime and you can leave us a voice message and we will then put those voice messages into the next episode so why don't you tell us about what you remember of 1996 but uh i will leave it at that Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week for part two. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Alert. Temporal anomaly found. Emergency countermeasures deployed. Freezing podcast in three, two, one. <laughs>